This show is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. If you're starting a show, I highly recommend using Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Slab Talk. I'm your host, Amil Sarfani, and this is my sports card show. I appreciate you tuning in today. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at the Slab Talk. You can also follow me on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. I really do appreciate it. Uh, we're growing here at Slab Talk, and it's been a lot of fun producing this content. So again, just want to start off by saying thank you to everybody who's listening and watching the show uh, and reaching out over DMs on Instagram. A lot of fun. Glad I'm meeting new people. And on that note, uh, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, a, a YouTube show based out of the Philippines called My Valuable Player. Check them out. Uh, two guys who host this uh, show, really fun people. Uh, and yesterday we did a show, they, they brought me onto their show to do an interview. Uh, and it, it was so much fun and I'm having such a good time in this hobby. And one of the reasons I'm so thankful for having found this hobby this past year is because it's put me in a position to meet people from all around the world, uh, who have a similar interest in sports cards. Uh, and I'm, I'm super thankful for that because it's a lot of fun for me. I've met people from Australia, uh, you know, my producers from Canada, and now uh, I've went on a show that's based in the Philippines. And it's cool to see the international market is continuing to grow. Uh, I definitely see a world in which there's nationals all around the world. And uh, I think that it's fun to see. And it continues to uh, instill confidence in me that this market is for real um, and that this hobby is just going to continue to grow uh, over the next few years and hopefully beyond that. And so um, thanks again for having me on the show, my valuable player, check them out. I'll tag them when, when the show comes out. So you can check it out if you would like to see that interview, uh, that I was on, um, to start off today's show, we're going to be talking about, I'm going to do a sports card rewind. We're going to be talking about last week's events, some stuff that I found really interesting. And then we're going to go into all things, selling cards, uh, the what, when, where, and how of, uh, my process of selling cards. It's an important topic. Uh, and I get a lot of questions on it, so I'm excited to uh, hopefully provide some value to you and give you some insight into how I think about selling cards, uh, since it is such an important process of what we're doing here, especially if you're not just buying to hold cards, uh, which you know most of us who are doing this uh, are trying to continue to move our portfolio because we don't have a limitless uh, bucket of money, and so the process of selling cards is an important one. So let's get right into it with the Sports Card Rewind. On today's uh, Sports Card Rewind, one of the first things I kind of want to talk about and hit on is the 1986 Michael Jordan Fleer in a PSA 10. I've, you know, the news, I'm seeing it all over Instagram of people talking about how it's dropped down to the $490,000 mark uh, from the $720,000 peak that it had hit in early February or late January. And uh, I just want to kind of touch on it quickly because, you know, we talk about those cards a lot here on the show. Um, and I, I'm hearing, you know, that this panic a little bit of, you know, is the sports card market uh, declining or is it crashing? You know, I, I want to come on here and just give you the, the the confidence to say, hey, 
that market correction is absolutely normal. We're seeing it across the board and it's 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 super healthy for the market. It's a good thing that we're seeing it. Again, when the market for the uh, Michael Jordan Fleer PSA 10, the 1986 Fleer hit 720,000, keep in mind that just a week before it had sold for 300,000 and just in October it was selling for 125,000. So just in five months, it had peaked out at 720,000. So 490,000 is nothing to freak out about. You have to keep the long-term in mind here, keeping in mind that that card has already 4X'd over the last five months, even at the the price it, it is at now. I still think that price can continue to dip and even get down back closer to the $350,000 mark, and it would not scare me. Again, when you look at it from five months ago, when you could have picked up that card for $125,000, even if the new floor for that card that may last a couple months, uh, you know, floors out at around $350,000 or $400,000, that's still a huge increase, so keep that in mind. We want to see new higher floors being built. Uh, that's how healthy markets continue to grow and continue to stay sustainable. So just want to come up, come onto the show and, 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 and give the vote of confidence that the market is just fine. It doesn't seem there's no alarm bells that I'm seeing go on, going off right now. And I'll tell you, I will be, I will tell you if I'm getting alarmed at anything I'm seeing in the market, but not that card and not right now The the market is as strong. What you can see right now is that, uh, this auction ended with a with a ton of uh, uh, bids from a buyer who has zero buyer feedback ratings. This to me is exactly what shill bidding looks like. Um, so one, if auctions are ending with uh, with bidders with zero buyer feedback ratings, two are ending way above market value, and three, be careful of uh, auctions that are ending from auction houses. That makes it easier for the actual sellers of those cards to be shilling um, those auctions because they're not actually attached to it now. It's going through an auction house, right? So it does make sense why it happens uh, through those auction houses. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be buying from those auction houses. Just be weary of it when you are trying to identify value, especially when it comes to things like PWCC. They've made their auctions uh, privately uh, private listings. That's another for that's another aspect of that's made shill bidding a, a lot easier. So be weary of it, be cautious of it. And that's why it's important to be actually be clicking into certain auctions uh, when you're doing this. Now let's, I want to talk about buy it now data. Um, so eBay also has the ability to see, uh, you know, sellers who have sold using the buy it now function. Um, and a lot of people who are selling with the buy it now function uh, allow offers. And so the one thing that you have to be cognizant of is on eBay. Uh, when a uh, offer is accepted, uh, you as a person who's looking at that sale do not actually get to see what the accepted price was on eBay. So I use this site called 130point.com. Um, in my research, I always have you know two or three tabs open. It's it's the eBay site to, to figure out what values are going for, 130point.com, uh, and also the PSA grading site for population information. But you can see on 130point.com um, that you know, if a sale goes for 85, it was listed at 8,500, you can see that it's selling for 7,400, 7,000. And if you're just looking at eBay and not using 130point.com, you can misidentify this value as much higher than it actually is, right? So that's why it's super important um, to be going that extra mile to find out what these cards are actually selling for, whether it's auction or buy it now data.
Um, and when you're identifying value, definitely use auction data more than you use buy it now data as your um, data points. Um, the other piece of this is having the, the population reports. Um, so on the PSA website, whether you have, whether you're on the website or whether you're on your phone, uh, they have an app, download the app, have the tab open on your screen if you're on your computer uh, and the certification numbers that exist on the card, you can type those into the PSA website and on BGS and it'll show you what the population of that card is, right? Um, so you can see for LeBron James tops uh, PSA 10, there's a 1,851 of those cards that are graded gem mint 10. So um, this gives you a story of the card. It, it allows you to see more uh, holistically uh, what that card uh, is and what the value is and also looking at things like transaction volume. So when you're looking at eBay, uh, it helps to see how many cards are selling in that month or three month period. I've actually gone and I actually count how many sales are happening in that period so I can understand demand. Um, that is also a huge component of this because there are cards that have higher populations like Prism Basketball or you know LeBron James Tops. Those base cards do have at times a lot of cards out there. So um, that affects how quickly the prices move. The higher the population, typically, the higher, the longer it takes for that card to either to move in price. Um, and so keep that stuff in mind when it comes to identifying value. Uh, uh, that's a huge part of it. So with that being said, I want to also take this time to shout out some of the tools that I use to make identifying value a little bit easier. I do think that if you're serious about this, there are some tools out there that make that process a lot easier. I did a lot of this on eBay for the first few months that I was in, and I still definitely use eBay uh, on a daily basis. But Card Ladder and Market Movers are a couple different uh, applications out there that you can sign up for. And I think they're both, you can find versions of both that are about 15 bucks a month. Super worth it. I I use Card Ladder. I've never used Market Movers. I love Card Ladder. Um, and... Not only do they make this process a little bit easier for you to find what the, the, the auctions are ending at, and they also do do a pretty good job of uh, confirming the buy it now prices. So the prices that you see on, on buy it now sales are typically checked on a site like 130point.com and are accurate with the actual offer that was accepted and not just the listing price. So they do a pretty good job of that. They also give you a longer time period. So you're not just looking at 90 days. You can go back to one year, two years, right? And, and it really does um, help create a story for that card. Um, so I highly recommend using one of those tools to make the identifying value piece of research much easier for you. Um, let's jump into what you're going to buy. That's a, that's a discussion that could take a lot longer than and what this what I'm going to be telling you in this episode today, but. Um, I do think there are basic ways to start this process if you're trying to figure out new ways um, to, to to find cards, right? So I'm going to start with modern basketball uh, as um, as what I think that you should be looking for in modern basketball uh, and not just be looking at Prism and Prism uh, Silvers, right? So for any player that you're interested, I think for modern basketball, you should know not only what the Prism Silver PSA 10s are going for, Prism Base PSA 10s are going for, but there's at least two to three other sets that I want you to keep in mind so that you understand that there are other cards out there that are lower pop um, 
and that have other opportunities in them, right? And, and if you're trying to, and this depends if you're trying to do a short-term buy, a long-term buy, but knowing what the actual values go for, for all the major players is a, a really important uh, part of understanding the landscape of the sports card market, especially in modern basketball, because there's a ton of different cards to choose from. So for Luca, for example, not only do I, should you know the Prism Silver, Prism Base, but Optic, Donruss Optic uh, is another really important set right now in the hobby, and specifically the Optic Hollow. I think that's a silver card uh, comparable to the Prism Silver in terms of quality um, that has a ton of potential, uh, and you should be focusing also on learning that price. So knowing what the Optic Hollow PSA 10 goes for, Optic Hollow PSA 9s, the, even the base Optic cards, um, the Donner's Optic uh, PSA 10, knowing those uh, helps you get an idea of what those values are for across different sets. So I would do it for Prism, I would do it for Donner's Optic, Hollow, and Base, and I would also add in, once you get further along, Select. Select is probably my favorite modern basketball set right now. Um, and I think there's a ton of potential in select specifically, but, uh, along with knowing what optic and prism are going for, I think that knowing, um, select courtside and concourse silver, uh, are, are really, really important. And so select is three different tiers, um, that I'll go into in future episodes when I talk about different sets, but just to start, not only should you know what those three different sets, those prices are for the players, you should know, you know, what the Luca, for example, sets the market baseline. So having an idea of what Luca cards are doing, even if you're not buying Luca, is still important for if you're buying Tatum or uh, Trey Young or Donovan Mitchell or Brandon Ingram or whoever else your guy is that you're going to be prospecting on. When it comes to modern, modern basketball, I think there's a lot of opportunity in sets other than Prism. So um, keep that in mind as you learn your modern basketball players. Um, when it comes to, you know, the the pre-2012, before Prism, um, those players like LeBron and Steph, James Harden, Kevin Durant, um, for them, it's tops chrome and tops base. Those are the market standards for those players. And so knowing, um, you know, from that 96 to 2012 time period, uh, all the players that have rookie cards during that time, um, you want to know what the tops Chrome, the tops PSA base uh, 10s uh, are, are going for, PSA 10s are going for, and BGS 9.5s and PSA 9s, again, as you continue to learn and, and, and do more research. Um, now, when it comes to, you know, the Hall of Fame guys that I collect, I know, so for me, it's like Shaq, Tim Duncan, Kobe, um, LeBron James, uh, Dwayne Wade. There's another aspect of this that if you're going to get into those types of players, not uh, or just focusing on tops and tops chrome, you should know those prices. But I think there's another thing that you could be doing in order to learn more, uh, you know, lower pop cards for those types of players. So if you go into Google and you type in uh, whatever player, so let's take Kobe Bryant. So you're trying to learn Kobe Bryant cards. If you Google Kobe Bryant rookie card checklist, um, there's two different sites that come up that I think that. Um, help tremendously in learning what cards are even available for those types of players. You can do this for modern basketball as well, and even for sets that are out there, um, if you're trying to learn all the different parallels for a different set. But 
say you're trying to get into a certain player that you love and uh, you're trying to learn what cards are available, it can be super overwhelming because for guys like Kobe and LeBron, there's a ton of different cards to choose from. It's not just Tops and Tops Chrome. Um, and so look at the Beckett uh, site um, and the Cardboard Connection site. Um, those two sites do a really good job of giving you options. They break down anywhere between you know 10 to 20 cards that are available um, for those players. And they try to give you a little bit of a description. Those sites are a little bit older for and those articles for you know the the big name players have been up there for some time. So some of that information is outdated. You know, Beckett tries to rank the cards in terms of what they think is highest quality and and best uh, cards available. Um, but and those rankings, you know, from a value standpoint, you'd have to go into more research into actually finding out if those values are right in terms of rankings. But it's just cool to see you get to actually start seeing what cards are out there, and it really opens your eyes. Um, to being able to type into eBay different types of cards. If you just go into eBay and you type in, um, you know, uh, Kobe Bryant tops rookie card, you're only going to get tops. Um, so uh, look at those sites, learn those cards. That's how I found different cards to get into for Kobe. So I took a ton of time this past off season to buy Kobe cards, and that's how I bought. Uh, you know, that's how I found things like the Star Date insert um, and. Uh, the Fleer Metal card and, and the Hoops card and stuff like that. So a lot of cards to choose from, a lot of different decisions that you get to make uh, as a participant in the hobby. And um, research is absolutely a vital part of continuing to learn the market. Um, and hopefully this episode makes that process a little bit easier for you. I appreciate you listening in. If you if you like what you hear, if you think it's going to help a friend out, uh, please share it, rate and review uh, and I really appreciate the listen. Again, you can follow me on Instagram at the Slap Talk and on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Thanks again and have a good day. Important to learn how to do it on eBay. Now let's talk about how to sell a little bit, um, which includes things like packaging and shipping and things like that. So when I sell a card and it's an under $400 card, $500 card, I'm typically selling it first class USPS uh, in a, in a, in an envelope. Um, and what I'm doing is at a minimum, you got a double bubble, super important. You're going to take your card. You're going to take one of these small envelopes, put your card into it, and then you're going to seal that up and put it into another envelope. That's at a minimum. You're going to double bubble your envelope, uh, or your cards. Um, and the point is to protect it while it's in transit. If you even want to put cardboard on either side of the cards, if you want to add more bubble wrap into the package, highly encouraged you want to make sure your cards get there as safely as possible because you never want your buyer to ever consider that it got damaged during transit that's not going to be good for one your feedback rating people are not going to want to do business with you if they receive a card that is simply just the card in one envelope it's these envelopes are not expensive they're cheap just go ahead and double bubble it it's easy to do um and so if you're doing first class that's what i suggest uh is under 400 to do that um, and to, these are four by seven envelopes uh, on eBay or on Amazon. You can buy these and these are six by 10 envelopes. Um, and those are good sizes to get into. You can put a couple cards in there if you need to. But again, every card has its own uh, uh, its own singular bubble envelope, even rubbing against each other. You want to give that little padding. So every card I sell is at a minimum. It's got double bubble on it. If I'm selling a card that's over $500, I'm going to go ahead and put it into a priority mail uh, box, a, a small rate 
uh, a small box flat rate uh, USPS priority mail box um, that looks like this. Um, these are the boxes. I would highly encourage using this for any card over $500. It includes about $50 of insurance uh, and then put signature confirmation on all of your cards as well to make sure that your buyers are actually receiving the cards and that it's not going anywhere. And what I do in these boxes, again, I put the card into a single envelope, a small one that can, that's going to keep it from moving around in the envelope. I put even more bubble wrap around the actual envelope itself, and then I put that in the box. And again, the point is that in the transit, you don't want that card moving around. Put a lot of bubble wrap in there. Make sure that it's not moving. Make sure it's already got a lot of protection while you're shipping it. Super important, again, because you want your buyers to appreciate that they're buying from you and to trust and repeat business. That's important. I've done deals many times with, with people multiple times. And so it's very, very important. Let's talk about the uh, what am I selling? Okay. And this includes what cards am I selling, but also what price I'm going to list it at. So when I talk about what I'm selling, the philosophy that I use for what cards I sell is I'm going to sell from the bottom up, which means that every time I'm trying to consolidate into a bigger card, I don't care what my profit margins are at that time. What I'm looking at is, do I believe in the cards moving forward? And what that makes me do is reevaluate my cards and I don't worry about what's what's happened to the card already because if i believe in the card and i continue to believe in the card long term then even if i've already 4x'd on it i'm willing to hold it instead of selling a card that or i'd rather sell a card that i don't believe in moving forward you know there are a lot of buys that you're going to make especially early on where you're going to say man i really shouldn't have made that buy i found better buys but you may not have be making money on it or there may not be a lot of opportunity in that card anymore and you may just say to yourself I don't want to sell it because I'm not making any money. Too many times I have seen people let go of deals because it's a little bit less than what they paid for it, even though it's a market price offer. Don't do that. It doesn't help because it does, your buyer just simply does not care what you paid for the price, for what you paid for the card. So sell from the bottom up, meaning that sell the cards that you believe in least first, especially when you're consolidating into bigger cards to keep your portfolio where you want it and keep it in the right places. Um, just because you're not making money on it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be selling that card. Um, and I think that's the philosophy that I've used. That's helped me a ton. It makes me reevaluate my portfolio all the time. So I'm always thinking about what my cards are doing and where I think they're going to go moving forward without thinking about what they've done in the past. It's a good, it's helped me a ton. So when I look at pricing, what am I actually pricing the cards at? And this is really important as well because I see a lot of people put their cards up on eBay for three times what the last auction went for. What's the point of doing that, right? 